Support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from our friends at Bold Apps. Did you know that their first app, Product Upsell, is also one of the most popular apps on Shopify ever? It should be. It lets you wildly increase your average order value while providing more value to your customers. It does it by creating targeted upsell offers when customers add to cart or check out. Then with its built-in analytics, you can track what upsells work and which ones don't. In fact, most stores say it pays for itself in the first week. So for example, say you sell digital cameras, someone adds a camera to cart, gets to checkout, product upsell kicks in and says, hey, wouldn't you want to add a tripod to that? And some people say, yes, I would like a tripod. That's a great idea. And there, you've added value to their order and increased your average order value. If you want to try product upsell out for free for two months, just go to ecommerce-bootcamp.com bold to get started today. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines, and it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from EtherCycle headquarters, about 10 minutes outside O'Hare, uh, enjoying the steamy, sauna-like Chicago summer. And today on the show, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, how to make more money, who doesn't want to know how to do that, and specifically with a e-commerce store. Uh, in the past, I've talked, you know, I've given examples of how uh, customer research has been really helpful um, and that's that's what we're going to get into today, to today is you know real world examples of how to use customer research to make your Shopify store more profitable to provide a better experience for customers. Um, in the last couple of years, not so much anymore, but we used to all the time. Big buzzword was big data. I was hearing about big data, big data. If Google Analytics is big data for your store, and sure, I find the the thing could be overwhelming with the number of options it gives you but it can be useful. Today, we're going to be talking about small data customer research. And joining me to help explain that is Josh Frank, who for years has been working with e-commerce companies to optimize their websites for higher revenue. And he uses a blend of marketing and technical expertise to improve conversion rates. Oh, okay, sounds familiar. Not not unlike what we do here. Um, and Josh formerly headed up e-commerce teams and worked to pioneer testing cultures within organizations and now works exclusively on getting e-commerce stores more profit through profitable customer research and split testing. All right, not so much on split testing, but I do want to hear about this profitable customer research. So, uh, Josh, thank you for joining us. 
Kurt, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about uh, this stuff today. I mean, this, like you said, the 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 big data component of things, you know, looking at uh, numbers and graphs is 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 great. Um, but a lot of times those can pacify us and they keep us away from the uh, the small data or the actual sort of real world customer research and looking at things the way your customers uh, say them and learning from that and making a lot of money. So, uh, so when we're gonna you say when you say customer research, when you say looking at how people act, what they're doing, what do we mean? Define customer research in this context. For sure. So I'm going to break it down kind of uh, real quickly into beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Okay. Um, the advanced stuff would be, uh, maybe you've heard of things like uh, eye tracking software or guided focus groups, um, user te- in-person user testing. Um, and we're going to set that stuff aside for today. Um, a lot of great uh, you know, data you can pull from that, but they tend to be expensive, time-consuming, and the uh, returns that you'll get, um, you're going to get plenty of them when you focus just on the beginner and the intermediate stuff. Um, so beginner stuff, we were talking as simple. Customer researchers can really start as simple as emailing your customers and asking them a simple question. Um, so if we want to pare this down to what's the simplest bit of customer research that we can do, like how can I get profitable insights from my customers and I have less than an hour to do it? Um, the, the, the beginner approach, I mean, really, uh, if we want to crack right into it, if you grabbed, um, you know, 100, 150 of your last uh, orders in Shopify, like pull down the email addresses and send them a one question email that just says, uh, you know, obviously thank them for their purchase. Make sure there's a little personality in this in this email um, and just say, what was the one thing um, that, that made you purchase from us versus a competitor? Uh, something as simple as that. Um, and then on the flip side, grabbing 150 emails from your card abandonment software. And if you're listening to this podcast, I am sure you have a card abandonment uh, plugin uh, or, or using uh, Shopify's native uh, card abandonment. Uh, grab 150 of those emails and say, uh, you know, you didn't purchase from us. You know, what was the one thing that stopped you from purchasing? That is the simplest thing you can do for customer research. And I guarantee that will make you money. I love this idea. I have... Um Actually, I have a, a copy and paste GitHub uh, in GitHub, a email template that people can use. It's like a prettier, not prettier, actually, a more plain text um, version of Shopify's order receipt. And it asks, you know, it's polite and it asks two questions, which are, hey, why did you or would you recommend our store and why? And what kind of person do you envision buying our products? And really what I'm looking for there is for them to reply and tell me how they see themselves and what the... Uh, the benefit to them was as to why they bought the product. And that's been pretty helpful. But one of the frustrating parts is, you know, I've, I've had people, um, I've implemented this for clients. I've had people implement it and go, oh, I'm getting responses. Now what? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is obviously the important step. You know, b- before this, your customer research tends to be uh, whomever is dealing with the customer says things like, oh, 95% of our customers like XYZ. 95% of our customers hate XYZ. Whenever you hear that, you know, flags should go up and you should start doing this customer research because 95% of customers don't do anything alike. Um, so using this research is, is going to be really helpful. So let's say you've done, um, you've done the beginner path, right? And you have, you're looking at 70 to 80 uh, responses for, for your uh, purchasers and maybe 40 responses for your, your abandoners. Um, the way to, uh, what I always say is, what tends to happen is you grab this research, you, you feel real happy about it, and then it gets shoved in a, in a virtual drawer, never to be seen again. So 
what I recommend, and, and this is an actual, uh, you know, this is the way that we do it. We take the research and unfortunately we kill a few trees. We print it all off, get it onto actual paper and get out of the office. Go somewhere. Take this stuff to a coffee shop. Take it somewhere where you are not going to be bombarded by the inevitable assumptions that exist about our customers and how we think that they uh, feel, act, what they do. Uh, so take the stuff off-site. Now, the next part is, is scanning this stuff. I mean, if you have 70 responses, obviously you can read them all, but you're really looking for high-emotion words, words like always, never, um, hate, love, um, phrases like that, words and phrases like that that are high-emotion. And you're trying to discover where somebody felt that friction before they purchased, if they did, and how they overcame it. Or again, if somebody didn't purchase, um, you know, what was it that stopped them? And is it something as simple as a technical bug? Like this happens a lot. Um, you know, not that sexy, but sometimes there are just technical bugs that are happening that are stopping people from purchasing. Um, but there, there tends to be a lot of things friction-wise in our psychology where people don't, they're worried that the item isn't going to look the way that they want, not going to not going to give them the desired outcome that they want. Uh, but definitely, you have to get off site with this data. Um, again, I, I recommend printing it out, grab a highlighter, um, and scan for those for those kind of high emotion words to know what you can take action on. Okay, and what uh, it sounds like the the thing that stops most companies from using the data, even if they go get it, what stops them from taking action on it and doing anything with it? It's just that it, it's easy to make it. It's easy for it to to become low priority because it's. I mean, it's something where you have to be very proactive. And it seems like a lot of businesses, once they get past the validation stage and now they're trying to scale and grow, they're very reactionary, knee-jerk, just like, oh, like, let's run from fire to fire to fire. So it's easy to just push this to the bottom of the to-do list. Um, what uh, what would you say holds back most e-commerce companies from doing customer research? Well, I think there are a couple of things. I mean, definitely, like you said, I, seeing the insides of, of plenty of e-commerce companies um, and, and many companies in general, it's like a wheel of projects every day and where will it land and where's the shiny object. Um, the thing about customer research, though, is that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's vital simply in the nature that you are trying to get as close to your customers as possible without literally shopping alongside them. And the closer that you get to them, the more you will be able to understand what makes them tick and you'll be able to, to take those little uh, bits of information, put them back into your, um, your headlines, your call to action copy, um, your email campaigns. And these things make tons of money. And like you mentioned, we're not really going to talk about split testing today. Um, but that when we take this data and we use it with one of our split testing clients, I mean, it makes a ton of money. So simply put, the closer you are to your customers, um, the more uh, the more comfortable, the less friction is going to be on your website because you're going to be putting these nuggets of information right back onto your website and the copy and everything else. And um, there's just too much money to be to be made out there with these things to, to ignore them. Yeah, the uh, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we've had Nick DeSabato who wrote the A-B testing manual on the show and he was saying, you know, really the important part of A-B testing is the customer research in advance. And that's the totally unsexy thing that no one talks about. Everybody talks about split testing colors, you know, like, oh, the add to cart button, we changed it and in increased add to carts 33%. And, you know, that's just stuff where you're, you're shooting in the dark. It's silly. The important part, but the unsexy part is that actual customer research up front. Um, and you don't necessarily have to combine customer research and A-B testing, but it's smart uh, to avoid tanking uh, your own conversion rates. Um, I think the risk is relatively low, though. 
the example I like to use is, uh, and I've, I've talked about this on the show before, is EverestBands.com, who sells replacement Rolex straps. We had just assumed the whole time that people wanted to customize their watch, give it a you know a uh, you know a more personalized feel with a rubber leather strap rather than the the stodgy steel strap that they all come with or steel bracelet that they all come with. And when we surveyed people, it turned out what was actually going on was they were wanted to wear the watch every day. They were leading active lifestyles. That's how they saw themselves. And they didn't want to scratch the steel bracelet or it was uncomfortable to, you know, get sweaty with. And when we went and changed, um, changed photos and changed ad copy to reflect that, oh my gosh, suddenly conversions went way up because we were holding up the mirror and showing people, we were showing our, our customers themselves. Right. Yeah. There are a lot of incredible, um, stories like that where you, where you sort of at the end, you kind of like, you know, you give yourself the forehead slap, like, man, I, you know, how could we not have, have seen this before? But, well, um, the, it is, yeah, the issue is we all, we make assumptions about why our customers are buying. Um, so do you have any, that's a good real world example. Do you have any real world examples of companies, uh, making money from this simple approach to customer research? Yeah, for sure. One that, that sticks out is, um, you know, doing a simple customer survey, you know, just a few questions. And I was working with a company that was um, B2B office supplies. So they were mainly selling to office managers um, and doing relatively large bulk orders. And the company internally had sort of a, a goal of saying, hey, if our customers buy product X and it's not a very profitable product and we want them to buy product Y, we can put it on a promotion. And the marketing team said, great, we'll, we'll, we'll do promotions for these products, put those products on the homepage right in the hero graphic where nobody could miss it. Um, sales will jump, everything will be great. Well, that didn't happen. And when we went to look at the uh, customer survey data, we had noticed that several of the office managers had said, you know, when, when they were asked, what do you, what's the one thing you love about this website or what's your favorite thing? They said, you know, I never, ever have to go to the homepage. I have my own personalized dashboard that tells me everything I need with my orders and I can reorder. So there was such a mismatch that the marketing team was literally putting the promotions in the one place that the VIP customers never looked. Uh, so we took that data. Obviously, we added a promotional banner to the inside of a customer dashboard. Um, and boom, we saw those sales um, tick up, especially for the, for the targeted promotions they were doing. Um, but again, the, the assumption is oh, we'll just stick it on the homepage because that's the most important page. That's where everybody goes. Uh, but when you have a, a sort of a tailored experience, you have to be careful that your customers may not be using the site, um, you know, the, the way that you think that they will. Yeah. For, uh, one of the common, common things I say when people, when I'm talking to people about doing a store setup or a theme setup, and I say, listen, we could set this thing up like based on every best practice in the world with the best intentions. You know, and at this point, I've touched 200 plus Shopify stores easily. And I could put all of that into setting up your store, combine that with your knowledge. And when we put it out into the real world and into the hands of actual customers, they're never going to use it the way we expected them to. Um, so then we have to go back and plan on revising it to better fit and better suit how they actually end up using it. Um, so in practice, how do you go about doing this customer research? What are some, um, I'm looking for, uh, example questions. Like I get, you know, once you get, essentially it's a survey. I get that. And then I compile my answers and I look for patterns and high impact words. I got that part. That makes sense to me. Um, and then I reuse that into into my micro copy, into headlines, and 
that in theory increases my conversion rates, and we've seen it has. But what are the what are the tools you use? What are the questions you ask? How do I actually go about getting that data? Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that because a couple of minutes ago we talked about the advanced and the beginner, right? But we didn't talk about the intermediate. Uh, so in in practice, the intermediate is where. Well, hold on, um, sorry. So to recap, the beginner is we're going to just ask two, you know, a couple quick questions in our order confirmation email. Yep, we're literally just going to send an email to people that purchase and then email to people that didn't purchase. Um, ask them a question, pull in that data. That's it. Um, how do we get the, the people? How do we segment out the people who didn't purchase? Uh, using, you know, if you have a cart abandonment tool. Oh, okay, right, um, abandoned cart. That makes sense. Yeah, I try to make the first. In an abandoned cart sequence, say it's four emails, I like the first email to just be customer service, like, hey, is there any questions? Did you run into any issues? And then the second one, just your traditional, hey, you forgot <laughs> you forgot the stuff, go buy it before it disappears. And then, oh, here's your discount. And oh, by the way, your discount expires. Uh, but leading with that customer service is a great approach and really sets the tone at, hey, we care. And you'll also, you get this, this insight. Okay, that makes sense. That's our beginner approach. Um, and the recap, what was the advanced approach? The advanced stuff really relies on uh, th- things like eye tracking and okay. in-person in- in focus groups. And again, yes. I mean, for, for, for a person that stakes their, their living on customer research and A-B testing, rarely do we, we edge into that stuff because the intermediate stuff like we're going to talk about in a second here um, gives us plenty uh, to go off of. All right. So it uh, sounds like this middle of the road is the, is the most value, the most bang for your buck laid on me. This is the sweet spot here. So... Um, as far as tools, I am going to focus on one particular tool, but there are several out there. Uh, I'm going to talk about a tool called Hotjar. Oh, um, I love Hotjar. This is my, uh, I discovered uh, it this year, like really dive into it, started offering it as a service. I've had phenomenal results with it. I love Hotjar. Educate me. Tell me about Hotjar. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that you gave the, the, the rousing uh, testimonial for it because um, I don't want to sound like a shill for Hotjar. It's an incredible tool though. And as far as um, you know, the cost to get into it and what it can offer, um, it really, it covers this entire, pretty much this entire intermediate section. So um, inside of Hotjar, if you're not familiar, um, you know, it's a qualitative research tool. So it has things like heat maps, scroll maps, um, the visitor polls, which is a simple slide up poll that you can ask a question at a certain point of the website, um, surveys, uh, visitor recordings, um, things like that. So, so these tools are, I mean, they're really essential and they're for the most part, pretty darn easy to use. So uh, the first one I want to talk about, you know, Kurt, you were talking about uh, you know, launching a new site, um, and you've based it off of all of these best practices, but you just don't know how people are going to use the site. And that's where, um, in particular, visitor recordings come into, come into play here. So heat maps obviously can tell you where people click, uh, but even though it's a, it's a decent time investment, I really recommend people, um, you know, s- store founders, grabbing some popcorn and you know, s- you know, watching a batch of 50 recordings even, um, and you can have them filtered by only show me people that didn't purchase, people that did purchase, people that hit this page, that page. There are ways to slice them up so you're not sitting there watching them all day. But you will be Yeah, blown. the first thing you do is just pick like, I think the first thing people do is they set up screen recordings and then they just pick them at random. And it <laughs> ends up like, like that, it's not that useful. It's much better to try like segment it where you know what the outcome of the recording is. And then you really you're looking at like, okay, how did they get there? Exactly. And again, it, it, it's one of those things where um, you you will definitely be uh, digging for gold, right? And you'll be, you'll be digging up plenty of dirt for a little while, but you will start to see things. First of all, you'll see things that blow your mind, simply um, how people use websites in general. You'll see people, you know, the way people, some people highlight text as they read it. Some people, you know, use the scroll bar in all sorts of weird ways. And, and, and 
that is though to remind you that everybody is using this site a little bit differently. Everybody's habits. Um, if you're an e-commerce store owner, you are you are in the top percentage of uh, technical competence among people that use websites, right? So that's a good point. It's a reminder that people use websites differently, and 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 um, oh, it can be to maddening to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it can be it can be really fr- you will find yourself screaming at the screen several times when you watch these recordings, but. But again, you, you've set up a store, you've launched it on a, on a Shopify, Shopify theme, and this is the way to see exactly how people use your, uh, use your site, you, uh, how they're using a new feature that you've launched. Um, and so the, the visitor recordings as a piece are, are incredibly um, useful. Now, the, uh, one of the big money makers for us is definitely the, the visitor poll. So again, the, the little pop-up slide. Um, and I'm gonna mention, I'll mention a couple of, of polls, but also um, I'm going to set up a page, you know, testtriggers.com slash Shopify. And I'll have um, scripts for things like this, uh, uh, templates for polls, scripts for user testing, some of the some of the uh, customer research toolbox stuff that we have. So don't uh, be too worried about pulling over the car and writing down uh, uh, poll answers. Uh, they'll and all this be, is going to uh, be at uh, testtriggers.com slash hotjar, correct? Uh, slash Shopify. Sorry, we'll, we'll have Sorry, a kind of encompass Shopify. the things that we, okay. yeah, that we talked about today. Just want to um, make sure I, uh, I put it in the show notes and I grab it for myself. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with the, the visitor polls, again, this is a big, probably one of the, one of the most important ones that we use, um, slide up poll from the bottom, put it on a particular page. Again, common places would be putting it in the, um, on a product page and saying maybe it fires after a couple of minutes to somebody that's really been belaboring here. And you might say, you know, is there anything preventing you from adding this product to the cart? Um, you can also ask, I think a a neat one that we run a lot is on your search results page after, you know, a predetermined amount of time, you say, were you able to find what you were looking for? You give them a yes, no. And if they say no, you kind of ask, you ask for some feedback. Now this does a couple of interesting things. One, obviously it shows you how your search is working. Um, everyone probably knows from looking at analytics that people that search are, you know, more likely to convert the people that don't. Right. So you want to, you want, to, you want to cater to this traffic and give them the, the experience they want. But this also will show you what people are searching, whether or not they found what they liked. And, you know, if you're using Hotjar in particular, you actually get the link from where they submitted the, the, the poll results. So you can see their exact search term and you can click on the link and you can see what your site shows when somebody searches, you know, um, blue tight jeans, you know, spandex. What, and you go, why would somebody search that? There's not going to be any results for that. So you can see exactly how your site responds to, to those searches. So that's kind of a unique one we found we really like to use for, for optimizing uh, search results pages. Um, so uh, homepage polls, right? What brought you here today is a simple one that helps to do customer research. Um, and these go on and on and on. Like I said, we'll put a, we'll put a list up of some, uh, maybe the 15 to 20 polls that we run on, on a pretty much every site. Um, and then the same rules apply when the results come in. They're going to come in and you might, if you have, a, if you have high traffic, you may have hundreds, if not thousands of these polls. So scanning them for, for, you know, high emotion words and phrases, printing them out and kind of taking them to the coffee shop to, to scroll through them. Um, cause again, these are going to be your customer's own words, which will really help, uh, craft copy. It will help you to speak like your customers and not have, yeah, you want to use, you want to use the language that your customers use. Absolutely. And it's, it's easy to, especially again, launching a new site, that copy was probably written in a little bit of haste, maybe to get things launched or written by, um, an outside agency. 
that maybe isn't, you know, it's not their fault. They may just not be as close to your customers as, as you are. So this stuff really helps to craft that stuff and, and hone it in. Absolutely. All right. Give me, um, are there, are there any other, uh, poll examples? Like if someone just lands on the homepage, um, what, what kind of poll, uh, should I, should I ask of them? Um, do we get into net promoter score? So yeah, um, using the uh, visitor polls for a, for a net promoter um, is great. So saying, you know, how likely are you to recommend us? What you can do too, which I think is really makes the the net promoter um, a lot more useful, is a follow up question. Uh, so they hit the home page. Uh, maybe you maybe you set it to target if they hit three pages or something. You want to give them make sure they have a little bit of a um, experience with the site. Or um, you ask them the net promoter, and if they answer, let's say seven or below on a scale of one to ten, right? Ten being extremely likely. Uh, you then ask them a follow-up of, you know, what could we do better? You know, any particular reason for your answer? And you kind of, you ask a follow-up because otherwise, again, if we, you know, the, the big data versus the small data, we're trying to get, in these examples, we're trying to get away from numbers and towards words uh, because those words obviously help us to learn. So uh, the follow-up question on the net promoter is really important. Um, and then, again, you can ask an exit intent poll. When somebody is about to leave, you can say, um, you know, is there anything we could have done to, to help you find X, Y, Z desired result, right? You know, you, the desired result of your site and you're asking them, uh, you know, since you're about to leave, you know, anything we could have done better. Um, those types of things, um, work really well. And you can also put, um, a follow up, uh, not a follow up, sorry, a, a confirmation message, you know, thanks for filling out this poll. Um, you know, here's a 15% off coupon, uh, for, for your time. And we've actually noticed quite a few of those end up getting used because, one, they've now had a little bit of an interaction with your site, um, and they feel like they really kind of, as silly as it sounds, earned that promo code, right? And that promo code is for them because they filled out this little poll. Um, and so those have been kind of neat as a, just an extra little way to uh, to help even earn some sales right through the poll. That's that one's pretty brilliant. Um, yeah, we've I've done that where we've we've emailed a survey, and then at the end we say, hey, you know, thanks for the, taking the time to do this. Here's a coupon code you can use. Um, and those seem like really, you know, we're intri- we want to reward them, but we also, we want to give them a reason to fill the thing out. Um, and then, Hey, if they spend more money, uh, if they feel compelled to, that's great too, um, as a secondary goal. But yeah, those, it, it works pretty well. It, it really doesn't. And the other thing too, that, that you can do, if let's say you're sending out a, a five question survey or something and you, you want to up the, uh, the, the participation, especially if you're sending a, uh, sending a survey to uh, non, non-customers, right, people who abandon. Um, you know, say we'll, we'll pick one for a, for a $100 Amazon gift card. Um, the research shows that, that prompting with, a, um, with like a raffle or something like that doesn't actually um, harm or influence the results in any way. Um, so, you know, you, you go ahead and, and, and give them a little bit of an incentive to fill this out. Because, again, especially with people who aren't customers, um, you know, you may have to send that survey out to quite a few people to get the uh, the results you want. So well, that's just another way, again, to to help um, make sure you get enough data uh, to look at. Okay. Um, any others? Anything else? I just want to make sure I, I cover everything you wanted to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the you know, getting into a tool like Hotjar and kind of just playing around, get some things recording. Um, I just want to emphasize that, that that the closeness to the customers really what we're going for here. Um, Kurt, you said it at the beginning, we're talking about small data versus big data. Um, this stuff is really impactful. It seems laborious to look over and like it's going to be 
you know, crazily time consuming. And it's really not. And again, you, you don't have to spend a ton of time before you start seeing pieces of information and insights where you go, man, Google Analytics was telling me this page was underperforming, but customer research is telling me why and it's telling me how to fix it. Um, and that's really the big, the big goal and the, the big takeaway that I want people to have here is that, um, you know, you find something gone awry in your analytics and a page that's really underperforming, you know, go put a poll on it and, and ask people what's going on. Put a heat map on it and see, um, you know, where people are clicking. And that will give you, you know, the, the missing component that analytics can't give us, which is why is this underperforming and how do I fix it? That's brilliant. I'm, I like that line a lot. We're going to make sure I include that in the, uh, the show description. It's very, it, it's good. Puts a good, a fine point on it. Um, okay. So if I were to, do we know what Hotjar costs? I mean, you could use it for free, which is pretty cool, um, with some limitations on how much data you can collect. Let's see. So the, yeah, the last time I checked, I believe it was twenty nine a month for like the first paid plan. Yeah. Um, so you can do. Um, uh, let's see. You could collect two thousand page views a day, which sounds like a lot. It can actually be kind of limiting, um, but the actual the paid plan is twenty nine bucks a month, so very reasonable. Um, I like. So I, I like Hotjar a lot. If someone were to sign up for Start with Hotjar today and only pick one of the tools, because they've got a whole bunch of these in here, which do you think is the most valuable tool? What should they, they start with? It, for me, it would be a tough call between the visitor recordings and the visitor polls. Um, I, would okay. probably, I would probably give it to the, give it to the visitor polls um, because, again, you're getting that. I, I just love seeing customers tell you, you know, they're not just telling you I didn't purchase. They're telling you I didn't purchase, and this is why, um, which is super important. You know what? I almost forgot an important bit here, which is that um, I talked to the people at Hotjar, um, and they actually gave me a link for a free 90-day trial. Oh, uh, so my instead gosh. Of a, instead of a 30-day trial, I believe it's uh, – I can't remember if it's the, the – the, I think it's the pro plan, whatever the first plan is there. Um, so for, for the Shopify unofficial Shopify podcast listeners, they're going to get 90 days um, to try out Hotjar, all of the tools. Um, and so, yeah, I thought it was really neat that, that we could work that out with Hotjar. I, uh, well, I'll need the link for that, but I've already included the, the note. So we'll say Hotjar extended 90 day trial. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, I have the, uh, the link for that. I'll make sure we get that, that linked up and I'll put it also obviously on the, uh, the testtriggers.com slash Shopify page. Very helpful. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, there's, I think this really this gives us a very high level overview of Hotjar. Gives us really compelling reasons as to why we want to use it for customer research. Um, I mean, I I thought I was already sold on it before. I'm like double sold on it now, and I really need to go back. I've been concentrating a lot on the heat maps. Um, I like those a lot mm-hmm. for like usability and seeing, you know, for arguing why. Hey, maybe no one clicks those social buttons, so let's get rid of them. That sort of thing. Um, but, you know, see it going through these, that's a lot of what I do is just like, okay, this doesn't have to be a subjective decision with heat maps. We can make this a data driven decision. So I really need to go back and, and revisit, um, polls and, uh, I've used the screen recordings, um, but combined, I love that idea of going through Google analytics, Google analytics and finding pages that have like, Hey, this has got a, uh, this is a really high exit page, or this page has a really high bounce rate, and then using screen recordings to try and figure out why. That gives it a much um, much more directed approach. Uh, I think that's very that's good and clever. Um, hmm. Any uh, well, as long as you're here, is yeah. there we could I think we'll we'll start wrapping it up because there's a lot. I'm inspired. There's a lot to take away here. But as long as you're here, is there anything any misinformation 
any BS advice that you want to correct? <laughs> well, I mean, most of my, uh, like most of our, uh, work obviously is, is, is a lot of split testing, AB testing, where I think 90% of the BS stuff I want to throw into a bazooka and blast away exists on that side. Well, on the customer, uh, well I mean, the, the, the hardest truth is just that most people probably shouldn't be doing AB testing. Um, you know, the, the, the traffic numbers, if you just don't have the traffic, if you have, if you only have five, 10, 15, 20,000 visits to your site, um, I know you worked hard for those 20,000 visits and that's awesome. You should be doubling down on customer research, small data, tools like Hotjar, um, and not focusing on building AB tests because one is you're simply going to have a lot of tests that are going to be inconclusive and you're going to have, you're going to have to focus only on running tests on, let's say the homepage, maybe all product pages, because when you start running a tweak in the checkout, the numbers just aren't there to justify it. And so I just hate to see people wasting valuable time where they could be doing customer research and going like having absolutely like light bulb type moments looking at this stuff. Um, because they, they're looking at a blog post called 101 AB tests that are guaranteed to double your conversion rate. <laughs> um, and, and, and they're just, again, they're, they're just hurting themselves in the long run um, with those things. So yeah, that, that's the no, absolutely. One. I mean, it just, it takes such tremendous, uh, such a tremendous number of conversions to generate statistically significant, uh, split tests that it is rarely doesn't make sense to be doing it when there's so much, especially if you haven't done customer research yet. Um, it's like there's uh, there's so much low hanging fruit there that you haven't even found yet before you should even get into split testing. I look at split testing as like either a you really need to validate an idea. Okay, I get that. That's fine. Or um, uh, you have run <laughs> you've run out of like safe low hanging uh, fruit from your your customer research adventures, and now it's like all right, now let's start experimenting. Let's start playing where we're just, you know, making stuff up essentially like, all right, now split testing, you need that data and it makes sense. Um, but no, I'm, I, I, I'm with you. I've heard, uh, I've said that a similar, similar things before, uh, Nick DeSabato from draft, who's a big split testing guy, same, same experience. Um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. There's one too on the, on the customer research front. Um, and it sort of has to do with, uh, what I was talking about earlier with the, you know, that you have your customer service team or maybe you're doing the customer service yourself. Um, and assumptions just tend to get built up really quickly. And so, um, for instance, if I'm talking to a, to a, an e-commerce store owner and they say, well, we don't need to do that poll or that survey because we know, you know, assumption X, Y, Z. Um, and I go, well how, well, how do you know that? Well, because the customer service team said X, Y, Z. And, and the, the thing to, to be careful about with that is, is, First of all, you're you're only you're 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 playing a game of telephone, right? And so the customer says to the customer service person, who says to you know either their manager, maybe the founder, who's now saying it to me, um, and it's just like that game of telephone where first of all the, the the what they're actually saying gets misconstrued, but the value and importance put on it gets stepped up if let's say it you know caused a, a kerfuffle for the business, you know, right now all of a sudden that's the most important thing ever. So. You really, when you when you step into customer research, you need to be um, understanding that you are going to have to bust some assumptions that you have. You're going to need to sort of clear the clear the playing field and and let that data that comes in, let that build up your um, your assumptions about how your customers feel, and try to let go of the previous um, notions you have, especially if it's if it's you know you know hearsay a couple times down the road. 
that stuff can be pretty, uh, pretty dangerous and kind of be quite misconstrued. Yeah, no, the, the biggest thing approaching it is to, is to let go of those assumptions, but also let go of your ego. And I think that's (laughs) like, when we see stuff that flies in the face of the thing we assumed, we essentially have to admit, oh, I was wrong about that. And I think sometimes, um, as business owners, it can be, that can be hard. Um, and like, you're not, if, no matter how hard you fight to prove yourself right, ultimately you're only hurting yourself. Um, so just, it's fine. Like we've all made wrong assumptions. It's no big deal. I know I certainly have. Um, and just, I, it should be a, a tremendous relief to have, to have the data and not have to guess. Yeah. The, the ego plays a pretty large part of it. I mean, I, I kind of tell uh, clients sometimes that people, you know, when you see people out like bragging about, you know, uh, massive AB testing uplifts, it's like, it's like, and they're not talking about the system that got them there. It's sort of like the person at the gym that brags about how much they can bench when like, you know, the person that's really, really strong is the person that's just there every day. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, (laughs) you just have to show up every day, do the system. Um, and that's how you get the results as opposed to thinking you're going to, you're going to scour some growth hacker forum for the, for the one tip or trick that's going to, you know, flip your business, you know, upside down. It's just, uh, that's just, that's just chasing fool's gold. So I'm out of cliches now. (laughs) No, I think that's a, a great note to end on. Um, People should 100% check the show notes to find uh, this extended day, 90-day trial for Hotjar. Oh, my gosh. Huge value there. Um, I mean, m- messing around, like some of the stuff you will find and learn in by using a tool like Hotjar, just experimenting and play with it. You can't break your site. You're not going to break anything. Just go play with it. You like, you could potentially make tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars messing with this tool, depending on your business. I promise. Um Definitely, I'm going to grab Josh's user research templates and scripts from testtriggers.com slash Shopify. Um, you should too. And Josh, is the, any other links, uh, where should people go to learn more about you? Uh, yeah, testtriggers.com or I'm on Twitter at Josh Frank and, you know, I'd love to, to talk about this stuff and field any questions you have. Um, also, if you're out there doing research, uh, based on this stuff, um, you know, let me know what you learned. Really happy to see, uh, see people taking advantage of this stuff. I will include your Twitter handle in the show notes. Uh, Josh, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kurt. And that's it for us today at the unofficial Shopify podcast. I want to hear your thoughts on this episode. Come, ask questions, challenge us, challenge us. I could talk. Join our Facebook group, the unofficial Shopify podcast insiders, and come talk back at me. Or sign up for my newsletter, kurtelster.com. Shoot me an email. Either way, you're going to get notified whenever a new episode goes live so you don't miss out on any of this tremendous value. And of course, if you'd like to work with me on your next project, you can apply at ethercycle.com. And as always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.